Hello, and welcome to Grow With Soul. I'm Kate Ferris, a coach, writer, hiker, and recovering high achiever, and this is a work in life podcast. Join me for discussions and musings about how our work can be a small and magical part of a bigger, more meaningful life. So come on in, get comfy, and let's begin. Hello, and welcome to Grow With Soul. Today is a Q&A episode where I'm answering questions submitted by you on Instagram, all about projects and productivity. I'm covering rediscovering drive after burnout, procrastination, time blocking, structure and overcoming fear to do the thing you really want to do. In the survey I did a few weeks ago, many, many people said that they were struggling with actually doing the thing they really wanted to do, whether that was starting it, keeping it up or calling it finished. So I am working on a practical course called Do Your Thing, a no frills container of templates and worksheets to help you start, continue and finish the thing you want to produce. So if this episode resonates with you, then Do Your Thing might help you to do your thing. But let's start with the questions. Our first question today is, I am grieving and it's made me burned out. How to find creativity and drive again? Firstly, I'm so sorry for your grief. No wonder you are feeling burned out. Loss is a ravaging thing and it takes everything we have in our bodies, minds and hearts to stay upright through the day. There is all this love and want with no outlet and so it burns and burns and all we can think of is everything better we should have set. So you have been in the fire. With regards to your question, I suppose I wonder whether finding creativity and drive again is something you feel you should do. I think we sometimes feel the cultural emphasis to keep on carrying on and maintain output when our insides are disintegrating. You do not look hurt, so why are you not working? Are you really ready to start again? Or are you only feeling like you have to? But let's assume you want this for you, although do take the biggest permission slip to do nothing if you don't. But let's assume you want some creativity and drive to start feeling more like you again and to start rebuilding some confidence. The way to feel more burned out is to force it. Don't pick a project that feels useful or just doing it because it's quick or it's profitable. Pick a project that makes your insides flutter. Create around the thing that is in your head and pushing against your skull trying to get out. Even if you're not going to put it anywhere or use it for something, a project to bring you out of burnout is not about the finished result. The process of doing it is the result. The result is that you follow through on a promise you made to yourself. 
The result is that you show yourself you can do it and you feel more confident. The result is that you are doing something you want to. Take small steps, even smaller than you're thinking. The bar for productivity when you're coming out of burnout can never be too low. Give yourself every opportunity to overachieve so that you can feel good about something. So the next question was about, uh, well, I had sort of two, which was about getting past procrastination and having productivity from people with ADHD and lots of ideas that go nowhere. Now, I don't know anything about ADHD, but I can tell you what I think about procrastination and productivity and ideas that go nowhere. And you will just have to take what feels helpful from that. But I come to this with zero medical context. So this is just my opinion and my point of view. I think we're supposed to have lots of ideas that go nowhere. If we acted on every idea we ever have, we'd never leave the house. I have Google Docs and many entries in my notes app of ideas that, you know, I had to write down and remember because they were going to be the next big thing. And then I've never, ever looked at them again. Sometimes we have ideas that are just there to hone our idea having muscle. They aren't supposed to be anything. They're just practice, practice of having ideas. Don't beat yourself up for not following through on lots of ideas because the point is you're not supposed to. This only becomes a problem when you start to believe it's a problem. From July 2020 to February 2022, I didn't follow through on a new idea. I relaunched things that already existed in my business and that's how I made money. (laughs) I didn't make a lot of it, but that was how I made money. And I was also kind of producing content, not fantastically consistently, but I didn't release a new thing for 19 months. It wasn't that I didn't have any ideas at all during this period. It's just that none of them were good enough ideas that I could commit to them. They were all practice ideas because I was moving in a different direction, both business-wise and personally, and I needed to practice how to have new ideas along this new track. Now, there were times where I did experience this as a problem, where I thought, oh my God, I'm never gonna produce a single new thing ever again. But most of the time, I trusted I would eventually, and that when the right idea came, I'd know and I would do it. And in the end, that was what happened. And I created mapping. If you believe that having ideas that go nowhere is a problem, then it's going to be a problem. You're going to start building stories of beliefs and seeing evidence and feeling like you're losing control and all of those things are gonna like really consolidate your belief that there is a problem and the problem is then manufactured. But what if there isn't a problem? Because actually you are following through on ideas because you're procrastinating. You are having ideas for things you can do to procrastinate and you're following through on them. So there is proof 
that you can do it. You just would maybe prefer to redirect that energy. I sort of imagine you in one of those plastic tubes where they turn on a blower and kind of cash flies around and you have to grab as much as you can. You've got all these ideas flying around and you just can't get your hands on a single one. So just try to catch one bill. You're wasting energy trying to chase and follow all these ideas. Choose one. And then don't fight yourself. Build in windows for procrastination in your day and in your project plan. By the way, I do this. <laughs> I The way that I kind of plan my days is assuming that I'm going to be spending segment of that day procrastinating by looking out the window or scrolling on my phone or doing anything else. So I build that in to the time. And don't let it be something to beat yourself up about. It's creating a vent for that that kind of procrastination need inside you. So you can do the washing first or you can listen to some music or stare out the window and just like vent all of that out of your body and then quietly close the door and start. Set low expectations. Do 10 minutes or one paragraph and that's a cause for celebration because that's what you had to do. Slow progress is still progress. Okay, next question. Do you block out hours of your day for certain things? Now, some people will time block fanatically. There will be neatly drawn boxes in 90 minute increments in planners or colorful squares in a digital calendar and all power to these people who have found that structure works for them. I am not, however, one of those people. I did try really hard to be a time blocker because it like it does make sense. You know, intellectually I can see that having it all blocked out and a time and a place for everything, that short blocks of time will help keep pace and not be dithering about things. I can really see how that would work. I used to have paper planners in which I would draw like little arrows blocking out the hours that I'd be working on whatever. But the trouble is I hate structure. <laughs> oh, I like the idea of structure. I just react against it. I don't even really like having to make appointments for things like the dentist or to get my hair cut. And because they sort of sit in my calendar like this big ball and chain that's like holding me down. <laughs> Anytime I try to structure my days, my brain decides it wants to do the opposite of what I've said. Now, I haven't always been like this, especially when I was in school. I used to like a lot of order and a lot of neatness. But I think as I've become more myself, and slowly released a reliance on controlling things, which isn't all the way there yet, but I have found that my natural state is one of thriving in chaos. <laughs> and yet without any structure at all, I start to spiral into melancholy and I find it all too easy to do nothing at all. So what I have to do is trick myself into having structure without noticing it. Kind of like 
putting medicine into a cube of cheese to make a dog eat it. <laughs> so I have a list of tasks for the week. For example, this week there were 14 work tasks and five errands, like going to the supermarket. And they live in my notes app where I space them out into days. So there might be like five tasks on Monday, three on Tuesday, so on and so forth. There's no real rhyme or reason about what tasks go in what day, other than generally how urgent they are or when they need to be done by. And sometimes, like, because I have Welsh lessons on Thursday mornings, I will not put anything like write a book on Thursday afternoon because it's already sort of, I've been doing something else already. And then on the days themselves, I know that I do creative work better when it's the first thing I do. So I make it the first thing I do. And then in the afternoons, I do more of the bitty or the admin tasks. And the reason that this all happens in the notes app is that in order for this structure to be bearable, it needs to be changeable. So I am constantly moving and deleting and adding things within that weekly structure to just kind of have that freedom. And that's sort of it. And I get the feeling it's probably a bit of a frustrating answer because we all want to know how people do it and hope that there's like this hack or this structure that's going to make the clouds part and there's the perfect path to perfect work. Um, I feel a bit like I've revealed the Wizard of Oz is just a man or in my case, a chaotic woman. But the point is the very best working structure, the absolute best method for planning your time is the one that means you get things done. Okay, next question, sort of related. How do you manage longer term projects such as putting a course together? So having just described the chaos of my everyday, you may be surprised to hear that for project management, I have a spreadsheet. I think maybe the difference is that day-to-day organisation feels more like my life. So I want to feel free in my life and a structure often feels like the opposite of that. Whereas when it comes to a project, that's like a tiny part. That's like not my whole life. It's a small part of my life. And what I actually want to feel like is that I know what I'm doing and I've not forgotten anything. So my process with this kind of projects is that quite often I need to let the idea percolate and play in my mind for anything from a few days to a few months. If I try to force it into a thing too early, then all the life gets crushed out of it. And then after that, I start a Google doc and I write disorganized nonsense for a while. And then I try to take that nonsense and put it into an outline. I start to see the shape of the thing how many parts it needs to be, how much detail there is, how expansive or focused it's going to be. There are often several iterations of this, but I need to know the shape and the scope of the project before I can start the spreadsheet. Then, very simply, each column in the spreadsheet represents one week from the start of the project to the deadline. And in each column, I write the tasks that need to happen to get the project finished by the deadline. I don't say what days things are going to be happening on. I just know that 
those three things need to happen in that week to keep me on track to the deadline. And so those three things appear on my notes app list on that week and at some point they happen. And again, things are being constantly moved and pushed and swapped because the project is a moving living thing. And how the hell am I supposed to know exactly what will be needed at the start of it? I've said before that a plan is not a straight jacket, it's a safety net. It's there to support you, but you're in charge of it. Okay, and here we are. Our last question. How can I get over the fear of working on a project I'm worried will fail and actually do it? The one way to guarantee a project will fail is to not work on it. I think I've told the story before of my year seven sports day where I am running in the 100 meters and I realize I'm not going to win. And so I pull up faking a pulled muscle. Yeah, anything could have happened. The people ahead of me could have all like run into each other and fallen over. Or I could have had this like spurt of energy that like took me to the line. But by taking myself out of the race, I ensured I wouldn't win. And even if those things didn't happen, even if I did come in last, I stopped myself from following through on something I'd promised to myself. And I had to spend the rest of the afternoon remembering which leg to limp on. And what's the worst that could have happened if I had lost that race? People might have laughed at me, maybe, or they'd been disappointed that I didn't get my class sports day points. The idea of failure is so much worse than the reality. It's so much worse. I really could have survived that worst case scenario. I spoke in the reflections on a launch episode about how I had wanted to make 100 sales in the mapping launch and how I made significantly less than that. I failed in that I needed to then change my entire plan for the year because I didn't get the result that I wanted, but it was fine. Like I I managed to do that. I was disappointed, but only for like a little while. And that disappointment hasn't caused irreparable damage to myself. In the past, I've launched things which made zero sales and I'm still here to tell the tale. Failure isn't something to be afraid of. It can be disappointing and it might ruin your day and it might ruin your week, but it won't ruin your life. Personally, I'd be more worried about regret. I suppose the question is, can you live with yourself? Can you live with yourself if you go on and live the rest of your life and then die without doing this thing? And maybe that sounds dramatic, but also, can you? That's not to say the only things worth doing are the things we will regret not doing on our deathbeds, but those are the things we tend to be most afraid of because they mean so much and we just couldn't bear it if they fail. But to fail trying is more peaceful than to regret never trying. There must be a great many number of things I failed at in my teens and yet I only remember that race. If you do it and it doesn't work, then you know. You can move on to something that might be better or more likely you change the way you market that project or you reiterate it slightly and it gets a bit better and then it feels a little bit less the second time. However, 
you are defining it. Failure is never an end, but a beginning. Failure asks, okay, so what are you going to do differently? Failure presents you with options. Like, that didn't work, but here are three other things you can do. Regret only presents you with dead ends. With regret, you will always think that everything would have been different if you just tried, if you'd just given it 5% more. Regret confirms what you're afraid of with failure, that you don't have what it takes because you didn't try. And lastly, I'd just like to ask, why is it that this project is only worthwhile if it's successful by external standards? Why is it not enough that you want to? Why is it not enough to say, I want to do this and so I'm going to and that's it? I decided that I didn't want to die without writing a book, so I'm writing a book. (laughs) My preference is that, you know, it will be traditionally published and have all the bells and whistles and, you know, go down in history. But if I fail at that, then there are other options. And most of all, I just want to write it. And even if I die before it gets published and it's never published and it just exists in a computer folder and actually really that is enough and it's freeing. You know, it it doesn't get more comfortable to do the thing you want to do. It just becomes more important. And if it's important, then it's important that you do it. Whether you have a business or not, do your thing is a structure to help you take the thing in your head that's been nagging at you and bring it into existence. You can pre-order do your thing at a discount now and you will get every lesson as soon as I've completed it. So I'll be uploading to there and you can kind of get it as it comes and then everything will be ready by the beginning of April. So if you'd like to find out more about that and you'd like to pre-order, then go to simpleandseason.com forward slash do your thing. That and any other links will be in the show notes on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at simpleandseason. If you have a friend who you think would really like to hear this episode, then please do send them the link and share it online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.